A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The Big Chief with a badge, a cattle prod and a head on a stick. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio as the Conservative Party government's majority has now been halved to exactly um, uh, one vote, I'm afraid. They said Boris Johnson would set new records as the Prime Minister and now he's done it. He's lost a by-election after being in power for just 11 days, the shortest time for any PM in the history of elections ever. Of course, using the Lib Dems logic from the European elections in May, they didn't actually win the Brecon and Radnorshire by-election at all. Jane Dodds, the winning candidate, only got 43.46% of the vote. And if you add the Brexit party to the Tory vote, it all adds up to 49.02%. So that means those parties that are for Brexit and leaving the European Union actually got more votes and so leave one. Isn't that right? Isn't that the way you work it out? I think that's right. But first, some serious questions. Why did the Brexit party run once they knew Remain parties were all dropping out in order to get behind the Lib Dems? We'll be asking Brexit party MEP Lance Foreman that question. And why on earth did the Tories allow Chris Davis to run for the seat he had been recalled from because of an expenses scandal? Surely, if they'd put a better candidate in, they might well have won it. And what happens when Dr Philip Lee defects to the Lib Dems after the summer? 03444991000. Coming up later on, we'll be asking you whether you can trust anyone else to walk your dog after a couple of terrible cases uh, of dogs being harmed and even dying uh, in the uh, care of dog walkers. And we'll be finding out how facial recognition could help you get served quicker at the bar. And because it's Friday, it's also time for the Perrier Awards, an homage to my brilliance in broadcasting. And Con has returned to deliver them as well. 0344 499 1000. Uh, stop booing at the back. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So the Brecon and Radnorshire by-election was a fascinating one, not least because it was the first one uh, under the new Prime Ministership. Boris Johnson took office 11 days ago. Uh, it was never really going to be anything other than a Lib Dem victory, probably. However, what's interesting is that it was in an area where there was an awful lot of farming, there was an awful lot of agriculture, an awful lot of people that you would imagine would want to remain in the European Union. And yet... The numbers voting for the Lib Dems were not as high, perhaps, as you might have expected them to be. Let's have a listen to Lord Digby Jones and what he said to Julie Hartley Brewer this morning on The Breakfast Show. I'm very influenced by the fact that if you add up the parties who would have voted to come out, it's over 50% of the vote. And that's in an agricultural seat. And remember, agriculture is right in the middle of the economics of the European Union. Um, and so there, there are agriculture people who put jobs depend on agriculture actually set and a no deal would need big government help in an agricultural seat because of all the tariff issues and the exports to Europe. And yet there they were over 50 percent voting still to come out. 
Lord Digby Jones there giving an interesting take because now that we see any uh, evidence of any by-election or any election or any data of any kind, we can misinterpret it in any way that we like or interpret it in any way that we like. Let's talk to Lance Foreman, Brexit Party MEP for London and find out what he makes of it all. Lance, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good morning to you, Mike. I think Lord Digby Jones's point is a good one, isn't it? That in an area where you would have expected there to be massive support for the European Union, the Lib Dems didn't actually do that well. Uh, no, to, uh, to be honest, the, the, the Brexit supporting voters actually held up very well. And, and actually, if you, if you look at the, um, the referendum results in, in that constituency, it was, it was almost pretty much in line with the entire country at sort of 52, 48. And, and what this is showing is that nothing has changed. People still want Brexit. You know, it's, you know really nothing has changed there at all. And what's Despite interesting? Despite all the continued, you know, all the continued scaremongering and and you know the, the panic fearmongering that we're starting to hear nowadays with No Deal, you know, people still just want to get this over the line. But the problem is with the, the the side effect, in a way, of the Brexit Party running in this particular by-election, though, is that the Tories have lost another seat and they've lost another part of their ability to get Brexit over the line. So, in a way, rather ironically, the Brexit Party might be stopping Brexit. Well, to, to, you know, a majority of two, a majority of one isn't going to make uh, a massive difference. Well, we've seen, no, I disagree with you actually there, Lance, because we've had cases of votes being won by one vote alone. Do you remember the one vote that the woman uh, from uh, from uh, from the Labour Party who had been in prison came back and voted <laughs> in, a, in, a, in a debate, which actually ended up with her winning by one vote? Well, look, you know, the, 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 you know what, what the result has shown is that if there is a general election in the not-too-distant future, then the Conservatives will need to work together with the Brexit Party. And at the moment, then, they're saying they don't want to do that. If they'd already said that they do want to do that, then perhaps he wouldn't have stood in this by-election. But at the moment, um, they, they, they seem to be saying they want to go it alone. I think they know... They will need to work with us. You know, the Brexit Party has actually helped the cause of Brexit and helped the Conservative Party immensely. If it wasn't for us, Theresa May would still be Prime Minister. Boris Johnson wouldn't be the leader of the party. And at least, you know, we have a leader of the party now that at least claims that he wants to get Brexit across the line by the 31st October. So I think, you know, we do have a common cause here. Oh, I think so. And I think had it not been for Nigel Farage, the leader of the Brexit Party, we would not be in the position we are in, i.e. there would never have been a referendum in the first place, would there? Well, that, that's absolutely right. But, but our hope is that Boris doesn't go along with the withdrawal agreement, even without the backstop, because the withdrawal agreement is an absolutely dire agreement and we shouldn't be signing it. You know, even if he persuades Barnier to get rid of the backstop, what we really need to do is just have a free trade deal. It's something that Donald Tusk has actually said he would be happy to do with us, just have a free trade deal with Britain going forward and you know whilst that's being negotiated and it shouldn't take that long to negotiate because at the moment our goods you know go across each border freely and our our standards are you know identical so it should be quite an easy agreement to get across you know you know get done but in the meantime we you know we can have this um, what people describe or describe the, the WTA uh, the WTO um, um, uh, article 24 which allows us to continue as long as we know we're going to have a free trade, uh, free trade agreement in the future, it allows us to continue exactly as we are right now. And that's what we should be doing. We should be having a free trade agreement to completely ditch this balmy withdrawal agreement. 
Well, I think that's what Boris Johnson plans to do. But the, tri the, the, the tricky not clear, part, not clear the, about the that. tricky part for him. Well, I mean, he's basically said uh, that the, uh, the, the the Theresa May deal is dead in the water. He said that the backstop is dead in the water. I think that's a pretty clear statement from him that he is not going to resurrect it yeah, in some I other form. So, so. And so, basically, we can only go by what he is what he is saying. But from what you're saying, Lance, it sounds as though you're slightly holding uh, the sort of sword of Damocles over uh, the Tory party as the Brexit party, and more or less saying until and and, and at such time as you come into into our tent and you work with us, we are going to continue to be a thorn in your side. Well, yes and no. I mean, it's a double-edged sword, actually, because on the one hand, if he uses the Brexit party support as well, you know, we will get this thing done and we'll get it across the line and the whole country can move forward. But if he doesn't use us, then, you know, the Tory party will end up falling on that sword. And one of, one of the problems that um, all of the Leave campaigners had after the referendum was we just made, you know, we just made a judgment that the referendum had been done, you know, it had been won, and the government was going to, you know, get Brexit, uh, get, get Brexit sorted. And it never happened. And that's why the Brexit party feel that they have to remain firm at the moment, because we can't just assume that Boris, you know, because he says he's going to get it done, he is going to get it done. We have to continue to put the pressure on him. And also that helps him, because... With our pressure, it helps him force the hands of the Remainers in the Conservative Party that are still trying to stop this thing happening, yeah. which is crazy. Now, he has been very, very firm publicly about the Brexit Party and about not getting into any kind of deal with Nigel Farage. Is there, yeah. any, is there anything that you can tell me which is going on behind the scenes that perhaps uh, we would maybe refer to as secret talks, which, of course, wouldn't be secret if you told me about them, but, you know, I've got to ask you the question. <laughs> <laughs> You can ask me the question, and um, no, I mean, look, uh, there, there's there's nothing I can tell you. Um, That's not a denial, nothing, then, is it? There, no, there's nothing. To be honest, there's nothing that I know. Uh, you know, I'm not aware of any uh, talks that are going on between Farage uh, and Boris, uh -huh. uh, and I, I'm not even aware of Donald Trump is trying to, you know, force the two of them. Uh, in a, you know, to look. I, see, I didn't ask you about. I didn't ask you about. I didn't ask you about that. It's interesting so, how you uh, answer. See, the way you answer the question is always interesting. But I mean, we'll leave that one to one side for the moment. But there but, is a possibility, is there not? And maybe this is in the Brexit Party's plan that if you continue to kind of not cooperate, as it were, with the Tory party, and you tend to field, field candidates every chance you get, that they will become weaker and they will become more... Um, th th their task becomes more impossible, if you like. Well, it's interesting, you know, th th both sides uh, of, the, of the debate are split here. You know, on, on the one hand, you've got the Conservatives and the Brexit Party, but look what's happening with Labour and, and the Lib Dems. They are splitting the... Uh, I mean, cause I think there's, there's certainly a feeling now that Labour's moving towards Remain. And they are splitting the Remain side of the vote, so you're almost looking at uh, you know four part you know a four party system now rather than a uh, a two party system. Right. Um, but but certainly if you if you you know if you add the votes together of the, uh, the 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 Leave side and the Remain side, then it's clear that the Leave side is ahead of the game, and uh, you know things haven't changed, and people you know people in Britain, even though the country is pretty divided, they still want to get Brexit done. And it was really interesting, you know, when when I was out campaigning to become an MEP, I met many people. I mean, not certainly not the majority, but I would say about 20%, maybe 25% of people that I met that voted Remain still said that they were going to be voting for the Brexit Party because. It, you know, the arguments have moved on. It wasn't just about, you know, whether we stay in or out the EU. It was about democracy and upholding democracy. And I think people felt very, very strongly about that.
But if you and, look, but uh, if you look at the the turnout in 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 Brecon, and you said yourself that it was about the same as the rest of the country, fifty two forty eight overall in the referendum. Yeah. You've got a pretty disappointing turnout. I mean, you've got three thousand three hundred thirty one votes as against twelve thousand four hundred one votes for the Tory Party candidate who had been kicked out for sleaze, basically. And so, well, that, if, that's, yeah, the, I mean, if that's the best you can do, I don't think it's very good, is it? I mean, that was that was appalling. Um, um, you know, why on earth did the Tories put up a candidate that was fiddling his expenses? That's really the best they can do? I know, I mean, crazy. Pathetic, absolutely pathetic. You know, maybe, maybe if they did have a much stronger candidate, then maybe the, the Brexit party might have stood aside. But, you know, if you're going to field a, a completely hopeless candidate, you know, you know, at least we wanted a show, you know, give us a chance and at least... Uh, We'll, we'll see what we can do. But um, I think, as I say, I think we've demonstrated that the Conservatives do need to work with us. We can help them a lot. Um, and they need to work with us going forward, assuming there is going to be a general election. Maybe there won't be. Who, you know, who knows? Well, that's the other big problem, isn't it? We don't know yet whether October the 31st, do or die, actually means do or die. And whether on uh, November the 1st we'll all be sitting around saying, well, you know, how come nothing's changed again? Yeah, well, you know, it, it, it partly depends, I guess, on whether the, um, you know, who blinks first in this negotiation. Personally, I think that the EU will cave in. They do tend to, you know, they have a history of caving in on, on deals at the very last minute. You know, the same with Greece when they had to sort of lend them funds at the last minute to sort of bail them out. Um, they do tend to cave in. But even if they don't, I have no problem with no deal Brexit. I think no deal Brexit is absolutely, you know, is absolutely fine. The one great thing about no deal Brexit it just means that it's done and we can move forward yeah. and we have we have a decision. One of the biggest things holding back business in Britain at the moment is uncertainty. You know, that's what people complain about. It's not that, you know, what tariffs are going to be or they might go up or they might go down. It's the uncertainty of everything. And at least with no deal, we finally crystallise it. We get the whole of Brexit just done and dusted. And then, you know, if certain prices go up, certain prices go down, business will be able to adjust to that if it needs to fill in an extra form to get goods exported to Italy or France or whatever fine it'll it'll learn how to fill in that form and it'll learn very very quickly because if it doesn't it'll be losing money and sure of course like well, listen, I, I don't actually think that the European Union are all that bothered about a no-deal Brexit either but I'm going to be talking to Christine Jardin from Lib Dems coming up uh, very shortly here on this very same show and she will yeah. tell me that if we have a no-deal Brexit it's going to be an absolute catastrophe. Those are the words that they use. And I think the people out there listening to this show don't know what to make of it. They don't know what to make of your confidence and her kind of despair. Somewhere the truth lies in the middle, perhaps, but it's not helping the general cause of kind of what do we do? Of course. Look, the people that, the people that keep scaremongering about no-deal Brexit are people that actually aren't in business. Um, or you've got these major corporates that are still desperately trying to stop people, you know, stop Brexit actually happening because they benefit from, you know, the, the big businesses that have worked, you know, in cahoots with the bureaucrats in Brussels to, to protect their businesses. But for most small businesses, and, and you know, 99%, 99.9% of businesses in Britain are small businesses, 95% of them have no dealings with the EU at all. They right. don't import or export. And even for the ones that do, it's not a big deal. My own business, you know, I, I'm in the smoked salmon business, and my own business, and it's been going for 100 years, we, we export, we export to the USA, we export to China, we export into Europe, and it's really not a big deal exporting outside of the EU or, you know, over-exporting into the EU. You just have to fill in a piece of paper. It takes literally 30 seconds. That is it. Mm. And, and people complain about, you know, tariffs. But again, if you, if you look at tariffs, um, you know, in comparison with exchange rates, 
You know, if you, if you look at the pound-euro exchange rate since the euro has been in existence, it's been as low as 105 and as high as 180, which means that the currency has fluctuated up to 75%. You know, 75%. Now, the, t- the most tariffs are going to be, you know, tariffs on average are about sort of 2 or 3%. You know, on some farm goods, they might be 20 or 30%. But that's nothing compared to the currency movements. So businesses are easy, you know, businesses are adjust. They might go through some difficult periods, and you know, whilst people are adjusting, but it's not that difficult. Um, you know, business is business, and businesses are all, you know, will always, you know, they always like to have a good wind as well. But they always find a solution because that's the nature of business. It always is. And one final question, Lance: How are you enjoying yeah. being an MEP? Uh, how are you? How are you being received uh, in general as the Brexit party? Are you shunned in every corridor? Are you sort of scowled upon? by everybody who sees you there? No, it's, it's quite an extraordinary feeling, actually. Certainly, the, the first uh, first few visits, the, the, the people in the EU Parliament, you know, the, the administrators, everyone is so, so extraordinarily friendly. And it's almost as though they're sort of trying to suck you into this world and sort of tell you how <laughs> wonderful the EU is. It's sort of, it almost has a sense of sort of one of these, I don't know, 1970s sort of horror movies where, you know, you arrive at this place and, you know, some strange... And they have these very glamorous and seductive hostesses sort of welcoming you in, and then they shut the door behind you, and the horror starts. If that doesn't work, by the way, it turns into the Ipcris file, uh, where you wake up in a sort of metal box with a very loud, weird noise going on behind you, and you have to keep a nail very clenched hard into your fist to keep you from falling prey to the madness. Yeah, no, you, you can see, look, you can see how people get sucked into that world. And um, obviously, you know, the Brexit Party, we're absolutely standing for and there's no way that's going to happen to us because we want out of there. But you can see how people get totally sucked into that very corrupt uh, world of the EU. And, uh, and of course, why would they ever complain about it if, uh, you know, they're, they're living a fantastic yeah. life out there with tons of expenses and sofa-driven limos and first-class travel? You know, of course they're going to sing its praises. And smoked salmon all round. Lance, thank you very much indeed. Lance Foreman, uh, Brexit Party MEP for London, telling us that there's no problem with the no-deal Brexit. We're going to talk later on in the show uh, to Christine Jardin, Lib Dem MEP, sorry, MP for Edinburgh West. She's going to tell us the complete opposite. The truth will be somewhere in the middle. But were the Tories right to, uh, to field a candidate who'd already been recalled for some expenses fiddling? Should the Brexit Party have run against them uh, and man- managed to reduce the Tory majority now to one? We're going to talk to Joe Twyman coming up from Delta Poll to find out what he makes of it all and whether uh, this is a particularly significant by-election or whether it's just another one of those that Lib Dems win during the Tory party being in power and nothing has really changed. This is Talk Radio. The human zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. The independent republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Getting jiggy with it. Getting jiggy with it. I suppose if you were a Liberal Democrat, you wouldn't mind uh, being introduced with this music. It's kind of party music. It's a celebratory song. Um, Jane Dodds has won, uh, of course, the seat in uh, Brecon and Radnorshire. Interesting statistics, actually, uh, which I'm going to tell you to uh, gonna give to Christine Jardin in a moment, who's the Lib Dem MP for Edinburgh West. Good friend of this show, uh, has been on it many times. Ever since uh, the seat moved from uh, Labour, which lost the seat in 1979 due to the Margaret Thatcher sort of wave of blue that went everywhere, uh, the seat has been held uh, for 15 years years by the Tories and 15 years by the Lib Dems. So it's kind of uh, exactly as as you were, isn't it? Christina, very good morning to you. Welcome. 
Good morning. No, I don't. I don't wish. I don't wish to put a dampener on your celebrations. <laughs> but um, you couldn't. I mean, I know I couldn't. <laughs> but I mean, I have used Lib Dem logic to suggest to you that you haven't actually won this election at all because if you add up the Conservatives and the Brexit Party, they've actually got more votes than the Lib Dems have. Oh my goodness! No, that's a Conservative excuse. You know. You know what? See if they would stop. The Conservatives would stop looking for excuses for why people aren't voting Conservative and blaming everything except the real problem, which is that they're making a complete mess of Brexit. They've got us all into this mess. They need to get us out. I mean, £2 billion they're now spending on no-deal planning. And, you know, if we do leave without a deal, that's a drop in the ocean to what it's going to take. If they would just stop and they would think about what people are saying, then, you know, they might get on better. But at the moment, they only seem concerned with making excuses and not thinking about what the real problem is. We had a 10% swing last night. They went into that election in Brecon and, and Radnorshire with an 8,000 majority. We had a swing of more than 10%. Now, when Tony Blair won the 1997 election, the swing was about 11%. So that shows you the scale of what actually happened last night. Jane ran a fantastic campaign, a clear campaign. I was down there speaking to people on the doors a couple of times, and the feedback we were getting was quite clear. People do not want what they're getting from this Conservative government. Well, I'll tell you what they also don't want is a Conservative MP called Chris Davis, who's already been recalled, and that's why the by-election was held, because of fitting yep. his expenses. And I mean, I can't imagine being in that meeting room where the Conservatives thought it was a good idea to make him run again. Well, you know, that's, you know, that was up to the Conservatives, and I think that goes back to what I said earlier. They have to stop just thinking that everything's about the Conservative Party, start thinking about the country, which they haven't done for quite some time now. Well, what I would say to you is that you're all responsible for messing up Brexit. I'm not blaming the Conservatives any more than I am the Lib Dems, any more than I am the Labour Party, any more than I blame the, the, the Brexit Party. Every single politician in this country has been told and has said that they would honour the result of the referendum, and none, yep. of, them, and none of them have done it. Well, the thing is, what we had was a referendum that talked in, you know, big picture, we'll leave, but it didn't actually say what we would leave. Was it the political institution? Yeah, but nobody said that before it, before but it no, happened. Hang on a second, but what we are saying... Well, that was, you know... My, I, uh, we had, you know no, you didn't say that before it happened. Before it happened, yeah. if you had stood up and said, Christine, this is all rubbish, it's a big picture <laughs> referendum, it's nothing to do <laughs> with the details. Before it happened, we said it was the wrong thing to do. Mm. And we still say it's bad for the country. We're seeing the evidence of that now. We're seeing this £2 billion that suddenly the government are going to have to add to the money that they've already put aside this year. I think that's £6 billion now. Phil Hammond is saying it's going to be £90 billion it's going to cost. That's a lot of money. And Mark Carney is warning about the impact on the economy and that the pound will fall further. Now, these are all things which have become clear since the referendum. Also, we, you know, we need to know exactly what it is. And three years down the line, two um, changes of Prime Minister, and we still don't know exactly what it is that Brexit is going to mean. But when, in terms of the detail and what the deal will be, and when we do, I think that you and I and everybody else in this country deserves the right to say, actually, no, that's not what we wanted, or no, that's not going to work. The difficult, the difficult thing here, Christine, as you and I have talked about many times, is that yeah. nobody agrees on what we all want, right? And that is the problem. And therefore, it is the job of the MPs of this nation to find some kind of compromise. And that's exactly what isn't You're happening. Right. And that's exactly absolutely. what isn't happening. But, however, given that that is, is the overarching kind of reasoning for everything to be done in one particular way, the overarching reasoning is still to leave the European Union because that was the result of the referendum. Your party quite is doing well, very well. Quite, quite, oh, hang on. Your party, I've always... 
always said has been one of the more honest political parties in the yep. business at the moment because you've always stood for remaining. But the people have voted to leave. The people voted for the principle of leaving. Now, yes. if you go to buy a house or a car or, you know, you go to buy anything, you have a cooling-off period. and We've had three years cooling-off. But hang on a minute, hang on a minute. What we see now is very different from what we were, the picture that was painted in 2016. And where we are now, we know what it's going to cost. We're looking at a situation where people with um, who are undergoing cancer treatment and who need isotopes, people with diabetes who need insulin, people with heart conditions who need medicines, they find themselves waking up to the idea that the government is having to, you know, try and stockpile medicines to make sure they get them in the event of a no-deal Brexit. Farmers... But don't you think that's irresponsible, though, for people like you to make people that worried? Oh, hang on. Should we just let them... That's ridiculous. Well, no, because you haven't got any evidence to say that it will be a problem. One of my closest friends has diabetes. And she doesn't say to me, don't scare people. She says to me, can you make sure people know how serious this is? That's yes, but you don't have any facts, have though. How... Yes, I do. Well, where are the facts? Tell me one fact about how people with diabetes are going to struggle to get insulin. Insulin is not manufactured in this country. It's manufactured on the continent. It has to be imported. It has to come here at a constant temperature and it has to be used within a certain time frame. If we have problems at the ports, if we have tariffs... That's two ifs if already. That's two problems, ifs already. Both of those ifs happen if we, if we have a no-deal Brexit. If we go into a no-deal Brexit, then we have problems getting medicine into this country. You don't have to ask... You don't have to take my word for it. Go and ask the pharmaceutical industries. Go and ask the medical professionals. They are the ones who are saying, look, this is going to be a problem. There was all sorts of um, media coverage yesterday of the problems we're going to have with isotopes. Now... We, ha we are in a situation where we have to look realistically at the problems that this is going to cause and say, is it actually worth it? Do we really want to damage the country? You know, Leave, who, you know, who, one of whose main spokesperson is now the Prime Minister, told us there'd be £350 million a week for the NHS, when the reality is that the government's having to find an extra £2 billion on top of the other billions they've already found to try and keep the NHS running and providing medicines to keep food coming into the country. They're telling farmers, one of the reasons we won in Wales is because the government is now tell, telling farmers that they could pay, face a 40% tariff on land. Well, Lord Digby Jones, funnily enough, was on the breakfast show this morning saying that in an area where there is a lot of farming, which is Brecon and Radnorshire, isn't it surprising yep. that less than 50% of the people who voted actually voted for parties that want to remain in the European Union? And let me give you some facts about diabetes. Insulin is made by three big companies, right? Lilly, Sanofi and Novo Nordisk. Novo Nordisk is the world's largest producer of insulin. There are production sites in the US, in Brazil, in China, in Russia, in Algeria and in Japan, as well as Europe. So why scare and people and say you can't get the insulin from there? And not in the UK because we all our, our agreements with people are through the EU. Yeah, but they make it in Don't other parts of the world. My don't take my... And do we have agreements with them or do we have agreements with the EU? Don't take my word for it. Take the word of the people who are stockpiling medicines at the moment. Take the word of the people who are stockpiling all sorts of supplies. We're now the biggest buyer of, of fridges in the world. The state... I very much doubt that. Stock medicine. And I medicine, very much doubt that we buy more fridges than they buy in America. I don't think that's a fact either. Well, that was something the government were boasting about a few months well, ago. Well, they bought a lot of fridges, but, you know, we're not a very big the country. Fact, 
the fact of the matter is there are problems that we are now coming across, economic problems, medical problems, farming problems, all sorts of problems we are now having to deal with yes. already. But they all have solutions, though, and that's your job. Your job as an MP is to find solutions, not to there find problems. There is a solution. It's simple. We don't leave the EU. Yeah, but people we have voted to leave EU it, Christine. People have voted to leave it, and you said, as a party, that you would honour the result of the referendum, and you haven't. Yeah. How have, how have you honoured the result of the referendum? We haven't left. We offered, we offered, that's not our fault. We offered a compromise to the Conservative government, which was, if you want your deal to go through Parliament, then give us a referendum on that deal. Let the people decide. And it was Theresa May that didn't do it. Now, Boris Johnson had the chance to do it as well. The chance to say, OK, I'll put it to a referendum. Now, that's our compromise. We don't want to leave, but we are prepared to say will compromise. And the compromise is that the people have the final say because we asked them in the first place... But they've already had the final say, haven't they? Yeah, they haven't. Everybody said before the last referendum, this is a a once-in-a-lifetime vote. That was the the phrase that was used, wasn't it? They haven't seen the details of the deal. Was that the phrase or not? But was that not the phrase? I never used that phrase. Yeah, but everybody else did. If you didn't use it, then you were behind the the eight ball for some reason. But everybody else used that. I was behind the eight ball. I was campaigning to do what I think is right for the country, which is to stay within the European Union. And I still think that's the right thing. Well, you may do, but the majority of people don't don't accept it, Christine. Why can't you just accept that the majority of the people want to leave? Can I ask you a question? You can. I'm a parent. And so am I. For 23, yeah, well, for 23 years, my child has said to me, I want to do that. And if I think that it's dangerous, then I say, well, no, I don't think that's a good idea. So your so child is 23 now? No, yeah. The country is in a position where we're in a very dangerous economic and social position because of the austerity that would be created by Brexit, right. because of the social problems that would be created by Brexit. So... Do you think that I should just say, okay, let's do it? So now, so now you're moving. So you're now you're moving the argument from everyone who voted to leave is a racist bigot to everyone who voted to leave. Hang on. So you're now saying everyone who voted to leave is like a child who doesn't understand anything. No, I'm no. Well, that's what you just said. Let me finish. I have never said that everyone who voted or anyone who voted leave. People voted leave for different reasons, and they are entitled to do that. But what we you just likened them to children, Christine. I've talked about taking a responsible attitude. What we are entitled to do now is say, look at the mess that this is creating for the country. Do you still want to do it? That is what we are entitled to say. No, the mess that's being created for the country has been created by the people inside Westminster who are refusing to to submit to the will of the people. That's the problem. That's where the problems are. No, no, no. No, no, no. The problem within Westminster is that the Conservatives won't compromise. I see. The Conservatives won't talk to other people. They won't listen to consensus. What we need is consensus politics. Not... Well, why don't you why don't you compromise then and actually agree that people want to leave the European Union and you should be saying, here's a way of doing it, rather than, you're all too stupid to know what you were doing, so we're not leaving. Nobody's saying any of you stupid. The only people who are saying that are the Leave campaign because they don't want to admit that perhaps now that they see the reality of the situation that they were in, people deserve a chance to see whether or not it is still what they want. People deserve the opportunity to say, look, 
this is maybe not going the way we expected. This is maybe not the picture that was painted. We deserve the chance, now that we know what it actually looks like, to say perhaps it's not such a good idea. Right. You know what, I would, what I'm would? What i going to leave you, my final thought for you, Christine, if I was your 23-year-old daughter, I'd tell you to get lost and say, I'm old enough to know what I want now. Well, you know what? I take a responsible attitude. I take the attitude that we all have a responsibility if we see a problem. Not just to say, okay, go ahead and do it, but uh -huh. to say, is it the right thing to do? But what gives you the right to Maybe tell everybody not. else that you're right and I'm they're not. all wrong? I'm not. I'm wanting them to have the chance to say what they want. They have had the chance and they've said what they want and you won't give it to them. I am... <laughs> no, that's not true. I am well, I think serious. it is. I am... Well, I'm sorry, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. I'm afraid so. I Again. <laughs> I want the country to have... I want the country to have the final say. I want the people to have the final say on whether or not they like what this Conservative government is doing. Because, frankly, it's a mess, it's dangerous to the economy, and it's not good for any of us. And if the people don't get the opportunity to say what they want, that's not my fault. That's down to the Conservative government. And uh, I've got a note here from Yvonne. I'll leave you with one final thought. Wockhart manufactures insulin in Wrexham in Wales. So there's a thought for you. And we'll leave you there. Thank you, Christine Jardine, uh, MP for Edinburgh West for the Lib Dems. Apparently, if you voted to leave, you're like a child who doesn't have any kind of idea of what you're doing. And Christine Jardine will safeguard your future by telling you that you can't do it. 0344 499 1000. We'll take your calls next on Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. More blasted rhetoric from the Banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. <laughs> Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. As the Conservative Party government's majority has now been halved to exactly uh, one, uh, as we said, it might be by the time the summer is over, uh, there might be a no majority at all. Uh, the Tories don't seem too worried about it, though. Uh, Boris Johnson, they said, would set new records as Prime Minister, and now he's done it. He's lost the by-election after being in power for just 11 days, which is a world record. Of course, using the Lib Dems' logic, as we did in the first hour from the European elections in May, they didn't actually win the Brecon and Radnorshire by-election at all. Jane Dodds, the winning candidate, only got 43.46% of the vote. And if you add the Brexit party to the Tory vote, it all adds up to 49.02%. So actually, uh, Brexit and Leave won that particular by-election. But that's only in the world of ridiculous politics and the kind of stuff that the Lib Dems will sell you. Christine Jardim was on, upset many of you by saying basically everybody who voted Leave was like a child who needs to be told the right way to be and the right way to vote and the right way to live. I'm not sure that many of us would have agreed with that, but we'll take your calls in this hour, 0344 499 1000. Coming up in this hour, though, uh, as well, we'll be talking to Dr Sam Gaines from the RSPCA, uh, because an awful lot of people nowadays are using dog sitters and dog walkers to walk their dogs. There's been a couple of cases recently uh, where terrible things have happened, where dogs have died in the other people's care. Uh, there have been court cases, uh, there have been sadnesses, there have been terrible things happening. The big question I'm asking now is, can you trust your dog walker? Is there not some way of somehow regulating regulating the business to make it more reliable uh, and more trustworthy for people to use. 0344 499 1000. Also, because it's Friday, of course, we've got the Perrier Awards coming up as well. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. 
We're going to get loads of your calls on, so please do be patient. If you're trying to get on, we will get to you. 0344 499 1000. We're very busy uh, at the moment these days because an awful lot of people are coming to listen to Talk Radio who've only just discovered it because it is the home of common sense. Let's talk now, though, to Dr Sam Gaines, dog welfare expert at the RSPCA. Dr Sam, very good morning to you. Welcome. Hello, morning. Thanks very much for joining us. I mean, it is one of those problems as people get busier and busier and having a dog is a massive responsibility. But if you can find somebody that can sometimes look after it or can sometimes walk the dog for you, you know, that's a great boon for an awful lot of people. But there have been a couple of cases which are rare but terrible. Um, is there a way of making it better, of making it more regulated, making it something that people can rely on a bit more? Well, I mean, absolutely. At the moment, as you say, it is um, an animal business and an area of animal activity that is unregulated, mm. and there is a lack of guidance, unfortunately. So earlier this year, um, RSPCA, Dogs Trust and Pet Industry Federation came together and we actually produced some guidance. Um, and the idea about that was creating a framework so that people that were offering dog walking services would understand what they needed to do to comply with the law and mm. meet good standards, but also for dog walkers as well to ensure that when they're taking on someone's service like this they actually go to someone who is providing good welfare is making sure that their dog is happy and healthy when they're taking them out every day for a walk i mean i presume anyone can start up a dog walking business or a dog sitting business if that's what they want to do that is the unfortunate situation yes i mean anyone can offer their services to dog owners without having to adhere to regulations for dog walking and there are some local authorities that do actually have some form of regulation but it's very much a postcode lottery mm. as to whether that's the case and also you've got to question the people that are then making some sort of audit of that service and whether they're knowledgeable themselves in dog behaviour and sufficient enough to make sure that the service that they're providing is good. Yes, and does it generally happen sort of by word of mouth? Do you find that most people will hire someone to walk their dog or to look after their dog because somebody else has told them that they're quite reliable? Yeah, Dogs Trust did some research actually on this earlier this year when we were putting out the guidelines and they found that just over half of recommendations do come from friends and family when they're looking for dog walkers. Um, you know, so that's very much I guess then down to if you're happy with the service that you're getting but to be fair you know again that doesn't actually protect people just because your friend or family member suggests someone else so there, there is that real need to make sure that the, the sector is regulated and in the absence of that using the guidelines that we've put together. I see and so as far as the kind of numbers of dogs that people can look after at any one time there's not even any rule on that? There the generally isn't. Um, I th some of the local authorities, if they do have guidelines and they and they have um, that sort of provision for dog walkers with regulations, and they will stipulate a maximum number. Now, this can vary. In our guidelines, we said a maximum of four because we just very strongly believe that anyone that's taking more than that number of dogs is going to find it very difficult to keep all of them under control at all times, and that's absolutely essential when you're looking after any dogs. Because I'll see sometimes things that I never thought I would see in London. And I used to sit in New York all the time because they would have these guys, these sort of very unusual-looking people walking about eight, eight or ten yeah, dogs yeah. at the same time. Some of them were big, some of them were small. Um, but I actually saw it in, in East London not that long ago, somebody walking with about... I think he had about sort of four on one hand and about another five on the other hand, and he was just walking down the street with all these different dogs. It's quite unusual. Yeah, and you have to, you know, at the time it probably looks like it's okay, but you have to question what would happen if something went happened with one individual dog. So say, for example, that one dog decided to chase something or two of the dogs that were in part of that group got into an altercation. You know, it, it's that sort of thing that can you really be in control and look after nine dogs at one time? And that's why we strongly felt that you had to say that four was a maximum. But again, even when you're thinking about those four, it may be actually that you're better off with two within those four. 
are. So, you know, it's again very much should be guided mm. about the individual dogs and what works best for them and that the walker can very confidently and reliably look after them when they're in their care. I mean, are there any recommendations that people can find maybe on your website, um, Dr Sam, about what they should look for if they're trying to find um, a useful dog sitter or a useful dog owner? Yeah, so if they go and have a look on our website, what they will be able to do is down, um, download the professional dog walking guidance, which was put together by ourselves with PIF and Dogs Trust. And that can be used by dog, walker, um, by dog owners when they're trying to find a dog walker, and it will you know, highlight exactly what it is that they should be looking for. If they are looking for though a sitter or someone to board their dog, that is actually slightly different because those are areas, or at least the, someone providing a home boarding or daycare, that is different. That is a regulated part of the sector. And so if they're going to someone and they're leaving their dog with them for the day, then that person should have a license to be able to offer that service. If they don't have a license, then you need to be very, very wary and you should walk away. Mm. And I mean, I suppose you would recommend as well if you're leaving the dog with people. I mean, I've got a dog myself. And so obviously if we ever leave him anywhere, it's always at a sort of professional kennel. And presumably the kennel businesses are slightly better regulated or they have licenses for that. So they come under the same regulations as home boarding and daycare and actually this part of the regulation went under a huge overhaul last October. New regulations were brought in which actually introduced new standards that aim to raise the standard of welfare um, that these services have to adhere to. So there's, we have a lot more confidence in terms of that dogs are going to be looked after well in these regulated parts of the industry. It's the parts that are not regulated that you know it's, are still problematic right. unfortunately. Yeah because I was thinking just in terms of you know obviously if you're leaving your dog in, in, in a kennel then you can see the, the conditions you can see the kennel that your dog's going to be in um, and we tried not to do it for very long periods of time because we don't actually think he likes it very much but as far as um, going to somebody's house is concerned I mean what can you look out for if you want to leave your dog in somebody else's care do they need to have certain things in place that they need to you know do you need to so can you do a sort of quick look around the house and see if it's all right well, the easiest thing to do is if you're wanting to leave someone with a home border is check that they're licensed and ask to see their license. So they should have a license number that will have been issued to them by the local authority. Mm. And that means that they will be complying with the standards that have been set forward under the regulations. And those standards have been written to protect welfare because, as you say, the again, home boarding and daycare has become a huge area of industry that's blown up pretty much over the last decade yeah. and largely because not everyone wants to use kennels right. and again unfortunately we have had complaints come through to the RSPCA about the level of care provided to dogs in those sorts of situations because unfortunately for some unscrupulous people there are ways of making a lot of money yes. um, hence why it's got to be regulated so absolutely what I would be encouraging people to do is if they're looking for that sort of service absolutely ask to see the license and if you are concerned at all then just walk away um, you can equally you could raise it with the local authority as well if you've got concerns about the welfare of the animals there and you know whether or not they're in breach of their license but again if they go onto the RSPCA's website and search for um, animal licensing regulations they will be able to find some infographics that we've put up that actually help people to know what best to look for. Thanks very much indeed Dr Sam Gage, dog welfare expert at the RSPCA. I'd love to hear your stories on this actually because a lot of people who have dogs they find it very difficult particularly when you go away on holiday if you can't take the dog with you because you're going abroad you don't really want to put the dog in a kennel. If you haven't got a friend that can look after the dog, what do you do? Have you had a good experience or a bad experience? We'd like to hear it. 0344 
499-1000 is the number. Uh, and, of course, you can tweet us at Talk Radio and at IROMG. Lots, lots more to come, including loads of your calls about Chris Jean Dardin from uh, the Lib Dems, who wasn't exactly uh, firing all cylinders a little bit earlier on on Brexit. This is Talk Radio. Across the UK, online and on DAB. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. It's 12.34, it's Friday, and it's time for this. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Perrier Awards. Some nice new music. No. Same Con music. Mendes has returned after a two-week absence. I hope you haven't forgotten how to do it. Well, I couldn't really do it before, so... Uh... That's true, yeah. Well, we expect you to do it in the same inimitable style. Great, well, we've got lots to Excellent. get through, well, welcome. so let's begin. Yes, Thank you. Welcome once more to the Perry Awards. This is where we go back over the past week of the so-called <laughs> Independent so Republic cool. of Mike Graham and choose our favourite moments. Yes, I'm back. A big thanks to Marta for taking the reins over the past couple of yes, weeks. Yes, well done, Marta. Um, and Very for, popular, by the way. Yeah, was, yeah, well, for those... Listeners. For those who um, prefer Marta, firstly, <laughs> thank you very much for all your tweets to me. And uh, don't worry, she will be back in a couple of weeks. I can't reveal Taking too much. Taking another Friday off, are you? Yeah, well, let's just say oh, number 10 have been back on the phone and they're asking after me too. Okay. Uh, so, but let's begin with what we came for, the Perry Awards. Yes. Mike, as is tradition, mm. uh, you win the very first award. Uh, last week, you won the Incompetence of the Week Award for giving the wrong cue for an outstab, some radio jargon for yes. you there. Well, this week, very first Monday morning, you won the Repeat Offender Award. We'll be talking to an MP who's been away in Canada smoking cannabis. Uh, you might find there's quite a lot of people doing that lately. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. It's Britain's the fastest growing radio station. Of Mike Graham <laughs> on Talk Radio. Well, that's because I keep trying to say it's Britain's fastest growing radio station. You lot keep trying to shut it down. Well, you need to let us know if you're going to do that. Why? why? You never let me know what you're doing. That's true, but hey? that's because I move in the shadows. Whilst we're on the theme of your incompetence... Thank you. Congratulations, Mike, for winning the most ironic word to slip up on. So let's talk to Keith Stewart, though, uh, who is, of course, a video games writer for The Guardian, uh, comes on the show on a regular basis, and we have very con con conversational uh, conversations <laughs> about how good it is to... Conversational conversation. That's hopeless, though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I didn't even remember that one. Well, it's a theme for us this week's barriers. <laughs> uh, let's go to a caller, Charlie and Fife now. Uh, he wins two uh, barriers this week. One is my f one of my favourite ever. This is the longest sentence without any words in. Well, nobody's ignored the referendum calls, have they? Because there's already been a referendum, and as no, we no, know... Uh, oh, no, 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 well, 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 no, hang on, hang on. Hang on, one second, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> well, there were a few words in it, just not very many. <laughs> no, I couldn't really make it out. Um, Charlie it's called and five. Scottish. <laughs> OK. Charlie and Five also wins the Perrier for the best end to a call. In the European Union, you're like 60 so you've lost. So you've been in both, you've, been, you've had two referendums, you've lost both of them, Charlie? Yeah, <laughs> I'm a loser. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a top man. Thank you for Can calling. I, Charlie and Fife, what a nice man. What was the last word? I don't know, he was just trying to say something else. OK, he was good, we like Charlie and Yeah, Fife. do call in call again, Call in again, please. Charlie, well done. Uh, let's go back to you, mm. Mike. Occasionally you get the odd plank tweeting you that you sound like a broken record. Do I? Well, uh, well I'm sure I you do. I must have blocked them. Uh, well, this week you win the actually sounding like a broken record award. 
When I read this story last night, I thought to myself, this is a shock, you know, French car company wants to make cars in France uh, if, they can't make any if they can't make any money making them in Britain. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember that one either. <laughs> we just had to bang you on the side yeah. you started working Yeah, I again, think so, right? yeah. It's, 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 it's Alzheimer's setting in early, I think. <laughs> Off uh, you go. Another Perio regular now, Mike in York. Uh, we just heard from him earlier. We also heard from him earlier in the week where he won Explanation of the Week. Have an happy Yorkshire Day, because nobody seems to be mentioning it. I didn't know it was. Uh, what, what do you mean Yorkshire Day? What's that? When it's at home? Well, believe, believe it or not, this is Yorkshire Day where we celebrate Yorkshire. <laughs> oh. There you go, you see. Thank God he called in. <laughs> Although, funnily enough, Poppy Day isn't when you celebrate poppies. No, what's Poppy Day? Well, that's... Oh, Remembrance Sunday? Yes. Ah, OK. Armistice Day. I've never heard it called Poppy Day. Haven't you? No. OK. Uh, back to you, Mike. You also haven't seen E.T., but that doesn't mean you should boast about it. No, no, I haven't seen E.T. Why have you brought that up? Just to show how ignorant you are. <laughs> well, that's one way of showing, I guess. Thank you. Uh, back to you, Mike. Uh, you've managed to cause the control room where we sit a bit of an issue this week. Did I? Uh, with your jinx of the week when speaking to Dr Mike Smith. Dr. Mike, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Morning, Mike. How, yep. you How are you? Oh, not so bad, thank you very much. I'm, I'm having a break for a few days in Devon at the moment. Oh, very nice. Well, I'm very grateful you've managed to get a phone signal down there because despite Boris Johnson's promise of 5G for the entire world, <laughs> um, you know, I've been to Devon and it's not very good on the old mobile signal. No, indeed not. And it does keep coming and going, rather. But in fact, I believe that the one I use are, in fact, having a bit now altering the aerials to have 5G. <laughs> Sound like Charlie and Five It was a sort of self fulfilling <laughs> prophecy, that, wasn't it? I've yeah. got a, my signal's fine. Uh, no, it isn't. <laughs> um, it really is bad down there. Yeah, I know. We should just not get guests from down there, mm. really. Don't uh, go on holiday, though, if you want to speak to us. No. Uh, Peter Hitchens, the Mail yes. on Sunday columnist. Uh, he wins a perrier for not letting you get a word in edgeways. Uh, suggestion that somehow or other somebody who's a sociology graduate is, is going to make a better senior officer well, exactly. than somebody who's come up through well, years of policing. These things need to be changed, but fundamentally what they need to do is, is, is go back. I don't think we've ever had a guest on the show who talked for such a long time without stopping. No, I know. It's I impressive. mean, even I couldn't interrupt him. It's impressive. We just had to book him and then we could go for lunch or something. Uh, a pair of favourite category now. Alistair Stewart has been in so far this week for Eamon Holmes oh, on yes. Drive Time and he managed to pick up the Perrier for Wrong Namer of the Week. And a very good afternoon to you indeed. It's just slipped past four o'clock. It's Alistair Stewart here sitting in for Eamon Malley and I'm delighted that you are sitting out there. <laughs> Who's he sitting in for? Eamon Malley. Eamon Malley. I didn't know he was on tour radio. <laughs> no, neither did no, I. No, we should have a listen to his show once in a while. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> let's go now to Julia Hartley Breakfast. Uh, despite their allegedly competent production team, uh, there was miscommunication of the week during Westminster Whispers. Uh, also, as a bonus, uh, as an added bonus, uh, see if you can guess which newspaper this following feature with Matt Chorley is in association with. The Times Red Box with Matt Chorley on Talk Radio with The Times. Know your times. Yeah, good morning to you, Matt Chorley from The Times Red Box. And uh, what are we uh, going to be talking about today? Well, I think we should uh, probably start with... Uh, what are we starting with? I thought you were going to tell oh, me. Oh, well, 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 apologies. I, th I, I, I thought you were going to tell me. Well, I, I was... Uh, something about uh, Tories... <laughs> Something in the Times, presumably. Yeah, yeah, presumably. You know. 
Uh, back to you once again, Mike. <laughs> uh, people are often divided on Brexit, but there's one yes. thing most people will agree on is that it can be confusing, head-scratchingly confusing, mm. literally in this case. But then you've got the issue of the, the Irish border, so they're looking at what will Boris Johnson do with that. If yeah. Did you hear that? I did hear that. Yeah. How did you know it was head-scratching? Because you were scratching your... I can see you when you're working yeah. as well. Oh, OK. I, that was just that a makes a weird noise, doesn't it? Are you yeah. sure it wasn't just me scratching my arm? No, you were scratching your head like really? this. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Must have had an itch. Yeah. Probably these headphones. Maybe somebody's been wearing them that's got some kind of hair problem. Uh, not James Whale. Um, no. And finally, uh, <laughs> it's normal for an award ceremony to pay tribute to those we have lost. And for the first time, the Perry Awards is going to do this. You may or may not have heard that our beloved political editor, Ross Kempsell, has moved on from talk radio to follow. Pastures new. There's a rumor going around online. Uh, we can't confirm it, but what it is is that he's apparently becoming the tour manager of Liverpool-based indie band The Wombats. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Ross, you will be missed. And uh, I thought, as to pay tribute, we'd look back on our favourite couple, couple favourite Perry moments from Ross. Uh, let's begin with this. It's commentary of the week, which really showed off his sense of humour. Well, Francois just came out and pretended that he was taking something out of his pocket. I assume that's some kind of uh, political joke. Yeah, that's an attempt at banter from Marc Francois. And, uh, it's never a good <laughs> idea, is it? Well, you know, so, so, yeah. He's, uh, I don't know whether he's renowned for his uh, humour. <laughs> uh, it's great when he explains that it's an attempt at banter, yeah. which it clearly uh, wasn't. Um, well done, Ross. We also remember that Ross was never a man who didn't have something to say mm. or even full stops, but um, but let's remember the time he was lost for words. Now, I've got some good news for you if you've got a bit of time to spare while you're up in Darlington. Apparently, uh, there's a head of steam museum there, and also, if you're going to be around for a bit longer, um, at the Darlington Hippodrome, coming up, uh, an evening with Brian Blessed, the Little Mix Show which I think is a tribute act, and then In the Night Garden, which is a personal favourite of mine, Eagle Piggle's Busy Day. <laughs> well, when, when, when Jeremy Hunt uh, arrived in Darlington this morning, he... It's the greatest oh, giggle ever. that little laugh. It's Can we greatest... hear that tiny little laugh I think again? we should. <laughs> when, when Jeremy Hunt uh, arrived in Darlington this morning, he... It's just brilliant, that, isn't it? Just straight back into yeah. Ross mode. Tremendous. Ross, best of luck. Yes, absolutely. Think... All the best uh, from us, and uh, we'll see you around, I guess, yeah, would be the definitely. best thing to say. Did uh, you say Julia Hartley breakfast, by the way? I did, yeah. It's a little little smashing to... little pun. Oh, you, you said there. it deliberately? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I missed it's that. On the but it's been pointed out... To... Oh, there's a script. Yeah. Me. <laughs> Things are moving up in the world, aren't they? Tremendous. You haven't uh, made any mistakes today. No. Well, What's going on? I think the break did me well. I think it did. Yeah. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks very much. That's all for the Perry Awards. Mm. There will be more with me ah. next week. Well done. The Perry Awards on Talk Radio. the UK online and on DAB the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio so if you enjoyed that be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1 Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app if you have an opinion on the stories we cover we'd love to hear from you call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio